Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, welcome back. Episode three of UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Stephen Diener here, Karen Curtis over there. Karen... Nice to be back with you. Yeah, I got abducted over the weekend. Oh, good. Yes. How'd and that go? I, uh, I went up to the mothership. They did some tinkering around, but oh, I, good. I seem to be fine. Well, I'm glad you're back because we have a great story to get into here today. And when I say story, bear with us here because you are going to think when you hear this. We've lost our mind. That, which well, that's disputed by many, but you're also going to think that. This can't be true. This sounds like some type of weird science fiction Hollywood script that got rejected because it sounded so crazy. But I'm telling you, this is a a real story as far as the accounts go from the people who were there. And you make up your own mind. Do you believe it or, or do you not? So... This is this is a wild one. In 1947, so right. This is way before what the government's talking about now. They're only looking from what 2001 to 2015. Right. So, the way that the government, because you know, originally coming out with this podcast, our idea was to look back at the things that the government ignored in their UFO report. Now that the famous UFO report, and it only looked back to 2004, I believe. So really, in the past 17 years, they only paid attention to those reports. And there are so many, like a treasure trove of reports and stories and unexplained happenings. Yeah, the real weird stuff happened. Yeah, exactly. Throughout UFO, and, throughout UFO history in, in the world. And they just for whatever reason, maybe it was just too much focus on, decided to ignore those things. So we've been exploring some of those stories, like with Malstrom Air Force Base and things like that that we already spoke about, Rendlesham Forest. And now what we're going to get into here today on episode three is about Admiral Byrd, who is a very decorated war hero, war veteran, and all things just, well, they go crazy after they asked him to lead the expedition in Operation High Jump to go to Antarctica. Antarctica. What's really interesting is that we wouldn't really know much about it had the Russians not finally released this classified information in a documentary in 2006. I, I think I transcribed some of that for you. Yeah, so this is this is pretty wild. So yes, this is not Karen speaking Russian. It's somebody else speaking Russian. I just transcribed it. Yes, so here's, uh, well, here's what the Russians came out with. These unidentified flying objects don't only exist in the form of a glowing ball of some vague nature, but rather have a definite technological body. Americans have always been interested in the techno-magical legacy in Germany, but there's absolutely no doubt about this. Suddenly, the inexplicable occurs. The expedition, designed to last six weeks, is quickly aborted after two months, leaving the Antarctic coast deserted. 
was an actual retreat. So what the hell happened? I bet you didn't know I could speak Russian. Yeah, that was very impressive, by the way. You didn't have to go into Google or anything? No, or, no. No, you just you just knew that offhand. Very yeah. nice. <laughs> so this this goes back. So, you know, like what you heard there, 1946, 1947 area, Operation High Jump. And they actually made a short film, a documentary out of this that won the Oscar yeah. a couple of years after this whole thing took place. And uh, before we get into some of the other crazy things here, they interviewed in that documentary, just a quick side note, the guy who was like the director of operations, if you will, at that time, who was the man behind the desk, the man, you know, I guess you could say, calling the shots from the States, was Mr. Nimitz himself. That's right. So believe it or not, I mean, talk about coincidences. Admiral Nimitz, right? Yes. Was he an admiral? Yeah. I believe he was. And so you're talking about... The USS Nimitz, the nuclear, you know, battleship that was out in the Pacific that caught all these videos of the UFOs in 2014 that caused the whole UFO report to come out from people like Lou Elizondo and Christopher Mellon, Tom DeLong, people like that who got on the government and said, we need to figure these things out. How about that? So the irony of this where the USS Nimitz ship is front and center with the whole UFO report and the sightings from the pilots and the videos that we've seen on the news to going back to Admiral Byrd, 1946-1947 with, with Operation High Jump, where he was in charge of it. Nimitz so, was. Yes. That is so weird. So sidetracked there, but it's just amazing irony. A little, and a little background, by the way, on Admiral Byrd. Under the guidance of Rear Admiral Richard E. Byrd, their organizer-in-chief, the group lived for a year and a half defying the incredible cold of the long winter. And the temperature sometimes dropped to 70 degrees below zero. Good God. Yeah, see, that was from the documentary. That's why it sounded very old. And this guy, he's, well, you know, we said a decorated war veteran. Yeah. Admiral Richard Byrd was a very important admiral in the United States Navy. He graduated the United States Naval Academy at Annapolis. He fought in World War I, and after the war, he became an explorer. Well, how many like medals did he get and everything? So, as a little background on him, in 1926, he became the first person to ever fly over the North Pole, other than Santa. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it was not saying. <laughs> he received the Congressional Medal of Honor for that. And then when he was 41, he was the first to solo fly over the South Pole and became the youngest person ever promoted to the rank of Admiral in the history of the United States Navy. So this guy was, well, the real deal, yeah. you know, and he, which is why they chose him to oversee Operation High Jump in 1946. And this was at that time, again, you know, this is the year after the war ended. And it was the largest expedition to Antarctica with 13 ships, 33 aircraft, 4,700 troops. Yes. I mean, imagine that. It was that. a flotilla. It was. I mean, and, and they were all going to Antarctica to find out, basically, you know, what's there? Can we build bases there? So it was supposed to last for a while, but, well, it only lasted eight weeks. Yeah, because there were fatalities, which we never knew about. And what caused them? Well, first they're saying that the Third Reich was... Germany, yeah. like they fled there after the war. Right, that was always one of one of the rumors. What? And so apparently they get there, and you're talking about now battles between Germans and UFOs, and then Admiral Byrd himself, and, and the U.S. Navy and the military. And I'm I'm telling you, I know I said stay with me at the beginning, battling with aliens, like yeah. actual 
war between aliens and and the U.S. military. I mean, they're shooting from from the gunships on the ship, and I mean, they're getting attacked from the UFOs and from aliens and their weapons. I mean, this was stuff. Again, I know it sounds crazy, like a science fiction movie, but this was stuff that was reported in journals. Admiral Byrd had an entire journal himself where he and talked the, about these things. He only spoke to the press in Chile, mm-hmm. Chile, and he did not talk about this to the American press at right. all. So it never became mainstream. And they had the USS Philippine Sea there. It was the largest of all carriers of all time and a number of naval support ships and aircraft. And apparently they said these flying saucers came out of the ocean at high rates of speed. That's right. Uh, and there were some that they said flew from pole to pole. That's right, yes. Flying saucers dealt a very heavy defeat to Bird's Operation High Jump. He gave a report in March of 1947 that said a new enemy had been discovered that could fly from pole to pole in an instant. And they would leave these contrails. Now, normally contrails only last for, what, like 10, 15 minutes? Yes, right. Well, actually, what happened was there was a satellite that caught a contrail from one pole to the north to the south. In 2018, they found it. Really? So this backs up Bird's claims that they were able to do this, that they had the technology. This is 70 years later. So this new satellite image captured the contrail, which for it to stay there from pole to pole and not dissolve into the atmosphere. Right. This whatever aircraft made the contrail would have to be going Mach 10. Well, here's some more information on that. It extended the entire length of the Earth, longitudinally from the North Pole to the South Pole, which is 12,000 miles. It's a seeming (laughs) impossibility because it meant that some object was able to traverse the entire planet from pole to pole in a matter of minutes before the contrail disappeared. Whatever created that was going beyond Mach 10. Mach 10 is over 70,000 miles per hour. This was probably going much, much faster than that. So whatever it was, was something that more than likely we've never seen before. Now, it's really interesting because, again, you're talking about when you compare this to the UFO report that came out a few weeks ago, it only goes back to 20, to 2004. And, in the, and basically the conclusion of that report was they don't know what it is. It could be, you know, Russian, Chinese, whatever. Russia and China didn't have something that could fly pole to pole in 1947. No. Nobody does. Nobody does now, as far as we know, anyway. Well, something did in 2018. Exactly. And again, so that just kind of solidifies, I guess you could say uh, corroborates what Admiral Byrd witnessed and what he says that he saw. Again, he only spoke to the Chilean newspaper because he was silenced by the U.S. government, of course. I mean, they silenced everything else when it comes to this really up until just a few weeks ago when they really started taking these, these things seriously. So when, yeah, when they talked to the Chilean press at the port there, uh, he didn't deny the heavy, heavy casualty reports, but Admiral Byrd revealed in that press interview that Task Force 68 had encountered a new enemy mm-hmm. that could fly from pole to pole at incredible speeds. But you said that he had a journal. He did, yeah. And in that journal, I mean, he went even a little bit deeper, or again, so they say, where he went into detail about the aliens that were living on Antarctica, um, where he says, according to his his writings, he met them. Uh, he they, they took him into 
their world, I guess you can say, their bases. He met them? According to him. Why do they all look alike and they don't have like any gender? I don't understand it. I don't understand that either. They Maybe all have like, the dark almond eyes and then the right. gray body and they're they like little the same. spindly legs. The, you know, normally with like humans, you oh, have yeah, differentiating looks. My theory has always been maybe they're clones. I, I don't know, but I guess that's... Well, we're headed in that direction, but anyway. Yeah, that maybe that's a different subject for, for a different time, but it's very odd, because um, I've always wondered that as well. Why why don't they look different from each other? But they took him, according to Emerald Bird, took him into, I hate to use the word layer, but into like Middle Earth. Really? You know, and again, sounds weird, but... Congressional Medal of Honor. Yeah. Youngest admiral in Navy history, so... This I is mean, what he's you saying. You going to discredit this guy? Exactly. Like, what would he have to gain... To say something like this, you, when you are a, a war hero, that is your career, that is your mind, that is your, your mission. You're not going to come back and make up some crazy cockamamie story that they would only use in science fiction movies. So why would he make this up, I guess, is my question. Because when he talks about this, he says they, they took him down into Middle Earth where they have all these bases. And they took them into these now, caves in Antarctica. Were the Germans down there too? No, he didn't say anything about that, which but wouldn't surprise me. I'm just so confused. But these battles were happening. Like, they literally battled, them and the Germans battled the aliens in Antarctica, according to these, you know, accounts. And again, this was never reported to the U.S. government. At least the government never reported I'll it. I bet you Hitler down there. Well, there was, you know, there was uh, theories that he was there, that or Argentina, but that's another another theory, I guess, for a different time, maybe, but... It's it's really just a wild story when you think about again his credibility. Yeah. Why would he be making something like this up? Well, that's why he only talked about it in Chile, and then yeah. he shut up. But Once he got back here. So over the you know the Soviet report that came out in 2006, they said that uh, the UFOs flew close over the U.S. naval flotilla, which fired on the UFOs. Right. Which did retaliate with deadly effects. Now last week I said it doesn't seem like these aliens are ever there's any malfeasance going on. There's any you know malicious intent. This is very malicious. Yeah, it sounds like you know again they got into a battle. You know they didn't expect when you're going on this expedition. Imagine imagine their thought process when they're on that expedition and they think okay we're going to explore Antarctica. This is you know one of the final frontiers of the planet. We're going to figure out what's on this giant ice continent. And there's all this crap down there yeah you get there and all of a sudden you're battling aliens i mean you're, you're we, just finding these we had, things we had our, our microphone there this is exclusive yes it's, it's maybe what it sounded like yes according to <laughs> lieutenant john sayerson he was a flying boat pilot i don't know what that is hmm. uh, but the thing the ufo shot vertically out of the water at tremendous velocity as though pursued by the devil and flew between the masts of a ship at such a high rate of speed that the radio antenna oscillated back and forth in its turbulence. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, but they got into this USS Murdoch, is what they called it. Okay. They think they mistranslated it. Right. That it might have been the USS Maddox. Right. But they're saying the USS Maddox did exist, but it was sunk in 1964. In the Gulf of Tonkin, but so maybe there's a, some sort of a military cover-up about the USS Maddox that it was sunk in the Antarctica during this Operation High Jump. There's so many questions left unanswered with this story, which is why we wanted to talk about it today, because it really is, it's wild. It's I mean, a, That's a destroyer. That's hard to take down. Right. So you're talking about, again, you know, you're going to explore, 
You end up coming across aliens, Germans, battles. You're fighting on the gunship. They're firing back at you. And then you're talking about with Admiral Byrd, where he had this encounter with these aliens. They're taking him down into their, you know, it sounds like Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth, you know, mm -hmm. the, the hollow earth, if you will. And he's seen this advanced civilization, you know, how they're able to come in and out because they're living in the earth, according to his account in, in his journal. So, you know, are, is there some type of passageway through the center of the earth? Like I know a it sounds crazy. Or something? Yeah, maybe something like that. Maybe that's how they're able to get from pole to pole in a short amount of time. Are they using the earth's magnetism? Oh. You know, with as far as anti-gravity technology, how they're flying that fast. Because then that goes back to the question, why aren't there any... T Normally, there's no type of contrails with these things. Right, right. That there's, doesn't make sense. So there's, there's, you know, there's no exhaust. There's no flame coming out of the back like you would see on a missile or a jet, something like that. They just, boom, it's, it's that instantaneous acceleration. And they're just gone. Right. So it's... Gosh, <laughs> that, yeah, that's a little strange with the contrail. What what is that that can go seventy thousand miles an hour and leaves a contrail? That's my question. When they say they captured that on satellite in twenty eighteen, was that something else? Because normally these things don't have contrails. I don't know. Or maybe this, maybe whatever that was in twenty eighteen left uh, left a contrail. Maybe but it was Richard Branson. Maybe it was. <laughs> In Virgin Galactic. Maybe, maybe he's a time traveler. <laughs> he, was, he was in Antarctica in 1947. I want to, is this Admiral Byrd journal available like in the Library of Congress? Can I'd like to read it. It's really just something that if you Google it, you might be able to find some different transcripts. Excerpts. Yeah, because it's like one of those, does it exist? Doesn't it? Is uh, it made up? You know? So, but apparently... Again, the story goes he kept this journal and there's pictures in there and really about you know there were tall aliens, um, you know like nine feet tall according to his accounts. Nine feet tall. Yeah. And so it's it's very They're odd. Like Baron Trump. Yeah, <laughs> he did get very tall, didn't he? My God. But it, it is. It's a really strange account, and there's still so many unanswered questions with with this. I mean, were the Russians involved somehow? Right, and and were the UFOs protecting the retreating Nazis? Gosh. Could you imagine that? Was it disinformation? Oh, Russian disinformation. You're right. Deliberately fed to Soviet authorities by U.S. intelligence. It's Was the Stalin era report disinformation by us? Well, what's crazy about this, too, is that, you know, after Admiral Byrd leaves, again, they cut the expedition way short. They're only there for about eight weeks or so. They were supposed to be there for months, you know, exploring, making bases, finding out how they can have bases there and things like that. But they leave eight weeks later after many casualties. They still haven't really said yeah, how, many how many people. Died? They, they never recovered the bodies. I was going to say, are they at Arlington? What's up? Right. And there has been uh, different permission trying to be granted from people who were saying, let us go down there. Let us try to find the remains of these soldiers so the families can have closure all these years later. But they're never allowed to do it. And what about Nimitz? Did he get involved? Did he know what was going on if he was in charge of the whole thing? And what's crazy about this, too, is we do have bases on Antarctica now. I mean, there's scientific exploration that takes place in Antarctica. People, scientists live there. You know, they study know, the environment. I the lady that got breast cancer and they had to, like, airlift her out of there. Right. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, we've never gone back there. But it just makes you wonder what happened in that particular area. And if if all of this is BS, right? Let's say for whatever reason, Admiral Byrd decided, let's make up this fantastic story about a battle with aliens and them taking me to hollow earth and showing me their civilization. Why would you do that? Let's just assume that it is BS. What would he have to gain? Yeah, right. 
by doing that. Yeah, it would be the this is supposedly the first known battle between the United States military and an unknown UFO fleet. Now, last week we told you about how a UFO was over an airbase in Montana and all the nukes froze. Right. Yeah. At Mount Jim Air Force Base. And they did it. They did that twice. And it's interesting because, you know, that was 20 years later after Adam Bird in uh, Antarctica. And what's interesting about that is they always seem by there. I mean, the UFOs or in this case, UAPs always seem to go after some type of nuclear capability. Right. You know, they, they are attracted to figuring out, well, not figuring out, but kind of watching us, I think. Is it maybe that's the best term to say when it comes to I think they are what are we watching. doing? What are we doing with the nuclear capability that we, you know, got during World War II? My big question, Stephen Diener, is if it's seventy degrees below zero in Antarctica and these aliens, I've never seen them wear clothes. I know, that's also weird. Ever. Ever. All so of, how yeah. are they surviving <laughs> No, I don't. I don't know. There's so many questions, but that's why we do this. They don't have Alien Fashion Week. No, nothing like that. No Alien Runways. <laughs> aliens in Paris. No, as far as we know, any maybe some of those models do look like aliens. Let's yeah, say I, mean, they, I mean, they're they're non-binary. They seem to be. I don't know. It's so weird. It, it, it is. There's a how lot. How do they of, re, How do they reproduce? Again, you never see genitalia. Right. There's that's never a description from you know. Uh, abduction accounts things like that you know they always and they say have three fingers so i don't even think they have an opposing thumb how do they hold a fork well some <laughs> do they have a mouth yeah oh from i mean from you know accounts. what about teeth i don't know ah see what do they Maybe. eat i'm right so, i'm just so intrigued well the, no it's true there's so many questions when it comes to and there's all different types of alien species at least according to different accounts and one of those species is the greys who met with Supposedly, President Eisenhower back in the 1950s. And that's what we're talking about next week, right? Yes. This is. Uh, so, President Eisenhower met with the Greys. Uh, well, if you want to believe it, but we have the story. Was so, Secret Service there? That's actually part of it. So, don't give away too okay, much. Okay, okay, okay. Yes. I'm too inquisitive. I'm no, sorry. I know. It's very exciting because if you thought this was a crazy story, <laughs> wait until you hear about uh, dueling alien species. Uh, I guess you could say trying to figure out who's going to work with the U.S. government and, and give technology and do experience. It's, I mean, you thought that Byrd was decorated. Eisenhower, are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. I, he's a general and a president. And how, how did they hide this? And yeah. who in Eisenhower's family swears it's true? So there's much more to come here on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. But this one, well, hopefully you enjoyed it because we had fun with it. It's it's a wild story and still a lot of unanswered questions. Still bending spoons with my mind. Yes, exactly. But we'll, episode four next week, join us then. Don't miss it. Download, subscribe, like. Yes, and uh, catch us again next week on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, when we talk about Eisenhower and his meeting with the Greys. <laughs> Until then, Karen Curtis over here, Steve, over there, Stephen Diener over here. <laughs> talk to you again next week. <laughs>